Welcome to a nonfiction story cast about people in Seattle who built churches and how they did it. I'm Cindy Safranoff. I'm the author, and this is Dedication, building the Seattle branches of Mary Baker Eddy's church, a centennial story. Episode 3, The New Birth When Julia Field King arrived in Seattle, the city was being reborn. For several decades, it had been a little-known frontier city, a lumber mill seaport in a forested wilderness in the far west. A couple of months before she came, on June 6, 1889, most of the commercial district had burned to the ground in a great fire. Even the streets and sidewalks had burned, since they, like nearly everything else in the city, had been built of wood, even the water and sewer pipes. Much of the original settlement along the west-facing shores of Elliott Bay was built on sawdust over sand and clay tide flats, and was vulnerable to flooding from storm surge waves and a very dysfunctional sewage system. The buildings had been infested with rats and vermin. The fire was tragic, of course, but it provided a fresh start for the residents and a boon for the local economy as disaster relief aid arrived. They would rebuild on higher ground, with more solid foundation, in stone and brick, so that a similar disaster would never happen again. The effort launched Seattle on a new growth trajectory. Some 20,000 people arrived that year, doubling the population, making it suddenly the largest city in the region, which would soon bring a railroad line to Seattle which then brought more people and more industries, securing regional preeminence for the city. Mrs. Field King had traveled 2,500 miles across the American continent from Boston. Like so many others moving to Seattle, she had come for business opportunity. And, like so many others, she had come to start a new life. But she had one more reason for coming to Seattle. She had been given a mission. While looking around for a place, she explained to the landlords that she would not be like an ordinary boarder. She would have many callers. The housing market was tight and rents were high, but she found affordable furnished rooms where she could live and do her work at 1111 Third Avenue between Spring and Seneca Streets. The front of her boarding house was being rebuilt, and so, as she later explained, the entrance to my rooms was through a back alley on a 12-inch plank raised about six inches above the mud to the door of a coal and wood shed over which the sign with my name and office hours was hung. Passing through the coal house and across a yard on a plank laid on the ground, through the kitchen and back hall, into a very pleasant front hall 
and up one flight of well-carpeted wide stairs to my office and living room, a bedroom, both well-furnished, and a bathroom, all on one floor. Even before her listing appeared in the Seattle City Directory, even before her baggage was unpacked, she received her first call to help a sick woman. Field King was a licensed medical doctor. She was a graduate of Hanneman Medical College in Chicago. Female physicians at that time were very rare, which may have helped attract business in her new home city so quickly. Her specialty was homeopathic medicine. She had studied a variety of curative methods and had visited famous health resorts in Europe. She was hoping to find something that would cure the sick with scientific certainty, as she explained. For I had such a sincere desire to relieve suffering and save life. In about 1884, about a year after she graduated from medical school, she looked into Mary Baker Eddy's curative system called Christian Science. This prayer-based approach to healing had only recently been introduced to Chicago, which had been rapidly growing since its devastating Great Fire a decade earlier. Chicago quickly became the first stronghold for Christian science outside of Boston, and Mary Baker Eddy had just visited to teach and preach. Initially, Christian science seemed to Field King to be just one more alternative system, and not one that she supported. I thought Christian science practice was criminal, and its adherents should be severely punished, she wrote, for time was such a vital factor in the treatment in the acute stage of disease. She purchased a copy of Eddie's book, Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures, and filled the margins of the book with comments on the absurdity of its statements. Then she set the book aside. Two years later, she was suffering from a serious health problem. Because of long-standing diseases that threatened to utterly incapacitate her, she was uncertain whether she could continue her career as a physician. She had been a cripple since the age of 10. Now she faced a crisis. My doctor told me I would probably never walk again without crutches, and it might be but a few months before my limb would have to be taken off. Then, unconsciously, my heart cried out, God help me. The next day, a letter came from an invalid friend telling me that, as a last resort, she had given up doctors and medicines and had consented to try Christian science that she was really getting better and wished I would try it. Field King decided to look into Christian science further. She met with a practitioner in Chicago and asked to be taught. She was not looking for a new religion. She was satisfied with hers. She had been a member of the Congregational Church since her college days at Oberlin. She only wanted to learn more about healing sickness. But while receiving this instruction in 1887, she had a change of heart. She wrote, 
In the first two lessons, I saw the heavens open. I saw such wonderful love. I saw principle, strong and unswerving. I saw what I had been crying out for all my life. I saw freedom, rest, peace. I let the light into my heart. Then I shut myself away from the world, took Science and Health and all the articles written by its author, and read nothing else. I found the sweet spirit of truth, and I found rest. After a while, the church thought came to me, and with it, the strong desire for action. Never before had I felt a nearness to the church, but in Christian science, I learned that Christ's church is in each heart, and that we unite with his church only as we are newborn of spirit. In this church and child thought, the physical healing came. It was not only the newness of spirit, but with it came the renewing of the body. Today I am a strong woman physically, and my heart is light with joy and gladness. With this healing, she began a new life. As new as she was to Christian science, she soon dedicated herself to it full time. Among the articles by Mary Baker Eddy was one called The New Birth, which read, in part, The new birth is not the work of a moment. It begins with moments and goes on with years. Moments of surrender to God, of childlike trust, and joyful adoption of good, moments of self-abnegation, self-consecration, heaven-born hope, and spiritual love. What a faith-lighted thought is this, that mortals can lay off the old man until man is found to be the image of the infinite good that we name God and the fullness of the stature of man in Christ appears. Now, dear reader, pause for a moment with me to contemplate this newborn attitude of thought, for the spot whereon thou treadest is holy ground. Field King had the opportunity to meet the author and have an ongoing professional relationship with her. She took class instruction from Eddie in Boston at her Massachusetts Metaphysical College in September 1888. And then the following May, again from Eddie, the normal class to become a teacher of Christian science. She continued to use her medical credentials, MD. She simply added her new Christian science credentials, CSD. She was one of about 250 trained by Eddie by 1890 who were encouraged to go somewhere beyond Boston to establish Christian science. Eddie saw the possibilities of the great Northwest. Field King had initially planned to establish her Christian science practice in the Midwest, where she had lived most of her life. But instead, she moved to Seattle. In Seattle, 
besides having all the patience she could handle. Field King sold Eddie's book and began training other people to practice Christian science. She had extensive experience in the field of education at a variety of academic institutions. Besides her own experience as a college student, she had worked as a teacher as a young woman, and again after her husband died of tuberculosis. She had been on the faculty of a normal school that trained public school teachers and had even worked briefly as a school principal. But this background was not necessarily helpful to her now. She was profoundly impressed with Eddie's teaching method. This was teaching so unlike all other teaching, she concluded. My first class was eager, studious, earnest, but I soon saw they had not understood. She received a disapproving critique of her teaching from another Christian science teacher who visited Seattle, resulting in her making a trip back across the country to check in with Eddie in Concord, New Hampshire. Eddie had recently retreated from the center of activity in Boston to Concord with the intention of retiring. She gave her students control of her organization, although she still oversaw the new movement from afar and kept in close communication with her students. Correct teaching of Christian science was always important to Eddie, and it was a concerning issue at that time because of renegade students who had their own ideas on how to heal but were still using the term Christian science. After her meeting with Eddie, Field King gave much thought to her teaching recalled her students, and taught them again. With the influx of people to Seattle, the city began rapid expansion, and so did Field King's sphere of influence. Within her first 15 months in Seattle, she had sold 100 copies of the Christian Science textbook. A community of her students began meeting at the boarding house where she lived. They are learning to live the truth as set forth in Science and Health, Field King cheered in her report to readers of the Christian Science Journal. Her influence reached beyond Seattle to Tacoma and Portland. Field King reported back regularly to Eddie. She wrote, I have taught over 100 pupils, rich and educated, rich and ignorant poor, foreigners, all classes and nations, it almost seems. We have our Bible class on Sunday mornings and public inquiry meeting on Sunday evening, our students meeting on Wednesday evening, and a science and health class Friday noons. All the meetings well attended. We have no organization of any kind. All is done because we love the science. In May 1891, Field King contributed a short article to the Christian Science Journal called Wait, in which she described the Christian Science spiritual path, identifying each phase of the life and career of Christ Jesus as a stage of progress for anyone following his way. 
She concluded that as much as one might want to immediately leap to the triumphal stage of Christianity, each step was indispensable and might take years or even decades of preparation before one is ready. To think otherwise was a trap, the subtlest snare. Therefore, humility and patience were essential. Field King expected to stay in Seattle permanently, but after this article was published, Eddie asked her to come to Boston to serve as editor of the Christian Science Journal. When she was a school teacher, she had taught grammar, English literature, philosophy, and rhetoric, among many other things, but she had no experience with publishing magazines. She made a vigorous protest over Eddie's request. I am such a babe in understanding, and the responsibility is so great, she explained. But after some reflection, she agreed to take the job. If I really trusted God, I would be shown how to do it, she concluded. I made no more protests. Julia Field King had successfully accomplished her first mission. She had introduced Mary Baker Eddy's healing system at the foundation of a new city poised for long-term growth. Her work in Seattle ended with the conclusion of the year 1891. The call to Boston meant going away and leaving those she had so recently healed and taught, the newborn babes in Seattle. Thanks for listening to Dedication by me, Cindy Safranoff. All events and characters in this story are as true and accurate as the available sources. All opinions are mine. To support and learn more about this groundbreaking research project and read my writing, visit cindysafranoff.com.